Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners, and welcome to another episode of No Rain Date. I'm Josh Popachak, your host of No Rain Date and the publisher of Sock and Source, here with the news headlines for the week ending September 10th, 2021. Fortunately, this week has been a little quieter in the weather department. Obviously, last week we had the remnants of Hurricane Ida come through and bring torrential rain along with flash flooding to the area. As bad as it was here in the Lehigh Valley, we know it was actually even worse south of here, particularly in Bucks, Montgomery, Chester counties, and into central New Jersey. Places in those areas, some of them received over 10 inches of rain, so obviously they had terrible flooding. There were also a number of tornadoes in that area. I believe Mullica Hill, New Jersey, had an F5 tornado, which is really rare in the Northeast. And a number of people tragically lost their lives, including somebody in Upper Bucks who was driving home from DeSales where he was watching his daughter compete in a volleyball match. He was tragically killed as he saved his wife from their vehicle, which was caught in floodwaters along the Unami Creek along Trumbowersville Road that's in Milford Township, Bucks County. And I did see that there was a fundraiser organized for this man's family. We have a story about his death, and I'll be adding the, the fundraiser details to the story. I also tweeted that out. If you follow me on Twitter, you can find the link there. If not, at Sock and Source, be sure to follow our Twitter feed. So like I said, the cleanup in the Saucon Valley area wasn't too bad, thankfully, because the rain stopped before we got 10 inches. We got maybe six or seven here. Of course, for the people that had water in their homes and businesses, it was not fun. But a week or so out from that, things are pretty much back to normal, except for a couple of road closures that are due to damage inflicted by the flash flooding. We reported on both of those this week. One of them is on Route 611, which is a major north-south road in the area. Route 611 is closed to through traffic between Route 212, which is in Durham Township, Bucks County, and Browns Drive, which is in Williams Township, Northampton County. So that's a fairly lengthy closure along the river and the detour is fairly extensive. There are different detours for northbound and southbound. The northbound detour takes vehicles along 212 to 412 through Hellertown to 78 and then back east to 611. You'll find information about the detours in our story, but it sounded like that project is going to last at least several weeks. PennDOT noted that the completion date might be September 24th for the repairs to the culvert, but they stressed that that date is simply an estimate and subject to change. 
So we'll do our best to keep you updated on that road closure. Another one that we alerted our readers to is in Springfield Township, Old Bethlehem Road, which is the section of Old Bethlehem Road in Pleasant Valley near Bridge Street. That was damaged due to the flooding. The Cooks Creek passes underneath Old Bethlehem Road in that area. I have not personally been to that bridge to see what the damage looked like, but it sounded, again, pretty serious. There was no estimate provided by the police department for when the repairs there will be completed, but they did share information about a detour. And of course, we passed that along to our readers. And hopefully that's it for the uh, hurricanes this year, although it's still hurricane season for several more months. And conceivably, we could get more severe storms, certainly more flooding. That seems to be the pattern this year. Uh, When we do get rain, it's very heavy rain. Uh, It's not like, you know, you get an inch of rain over the course of 24 hours. It seems to be uh, two, three, four inches in several hours. We had another very heavy rain storm on Wednesday night this week when a front moved through and there were thunderstorms associated with that. Thankfully, it was nothing like the remnants of Ida, and we had a little time to dry out in between. But it does look like the future weather, at least for the next week, is pretty calm, and uh, we hope that that turns out to be the case. Of course, we continue to report on COVID-19 and its impacts in our community. Part of our community is Lehigh University, which is in Bethlehem, but also extends over the mountain right to the border of Saucon Valley. And uh, so they're certainly part of our community. And we have a freelancer who is actually a current student at Lehigh, Andrew Isaacson, and he wrote this week about a spike in COVID-19 cases among Lehigh students at the beginning of the fall semester because it just started a couple weeks ago. The university has already had to alter the protocols that it had in place to help prevent the spread of the virus. And they do have a COVID response team that is on top of that. And they send out emails to keep the university community informed about what's going on. Due to the number of new cases, most of which were breakthrough cases, I should add, because almost all students on campus and most of the faculty are vaccinated against COVID-19. But due to the number of cases, uh, they limited the size of gatherings to 25 people and they're encouraging outdoor gatherings, of course. The weather's still nice enough to do that and there's plenty of space. Uh, Lehigh has a 2,500 acre, nearly 2,500 acre campus testing has been stepped up, of course, too. There was a concern about the amount of isolation housing available, isolation housing being housing for students who've tested positive so they don't infect other people. But since the number of cases appeared to be going down this week, at least among students, hopefully that does not end up becoming an issue. Of course, this is going to continue to be a potential issue throughout the year and and as temperatures cool and more people are spending time inside, I think it's certainly conceivable that we'll see another spike maybe at the end of October or into November. It's very difficult to 
keep strict protocols in place for a long period of time and have them obeyed by a lot of by the majority of people that's i think one of the things that we can all attest to that we've learned uh, over the past 18 months certainly when you're a college age person uh, it's probably even harder to follow those rules i was a college student a college student once upon a time and i can't imagine going to college during a pandemic and having all those limits on your freedom just at the point in your life where you're finally like, hey, I'm free, you know, that has to be a challenge. And I think everybody's doing the best they can under the circumstances. But like I said, the good news is that they are mainly breakthrough cases. And so the students who have tested positive are really mostly experiencing very mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. If you're vaccinated, it's much less likely that you would develop severe symptoms from a COVID-19 infection and almost unheard of that, that somebody would die unless maybe they had other underlying health conditions. But uh, we're generally talking about a fairly young, healthy population at Lehigh. So that's part of the good news. Uh, we covered a story this week, which was a little unusual in that it is out of the area, but it involves a local person. There was a very serious car accident in Strathmere, New Jersey over the Labor Day weekend, and police are currently continuing to investigate this accident, which left one man dead. The driver of the vehicle that was involved in the accident is from Coopersburg. His name is Nicholas Hirsch, according to the authorities, and the accident occurred on the coastal road in Strathmere, which is between Seattle City and Ocean City in Cape May County. If you're familiar with Ocean City, Strathmere is at the south end of the bridge that you take heading south from the island that Ocean City occupies. So it's a small area. This accident happened around 2.30 in the morning on Sunday. And according to the authorities and witnesses, Nicholas Hirsch, the driver of this Lexus SUV that crashed, struck eight parked cars before hitting a utility pole. And this is in a residential area. He was reported to be speeding before the crash occurred. When the car hit the pole, it flipped over and Nicholas Hirsch, the driver, reportedly climbed out of the sunroof and attempted to run away, but was restrained by nearby residents, people who had heard the sound of the crash. Uh, one neighbor who was interviewed on the Philadelphia TV news, CBS3, said it sounded like a bomb had gone off in their neighborhood. So this was quite an unbelievable accident. The passenger who was killed was identified as 23-year-old uh, Trevor Hirsch and 21-year-old Ryan Hirsch, who was the front seat passenger in the vehicle, suffered serious injuries. Now, as of Thursday, there had not been any charges filed in this case. As I said, New Jersey State Police continue to investigate it. Uh, we will certainly provide an update on it if and when charges are filed. In a case like this, I'm sure there's a lot of information that they're gathering. Of course, uh, toxicology tests are routinely conducted 
as part of this type of investigation and they can take some time to be returned. So uh, it may be a couple weeks until we get an update on this case, but uh, certainly since it does have a local connection, it bears following. It is a busy time of year for events. Even with COVID-19, there are events happening, events being planned, and hopefully uh, none of them are disrupted as they were in 2020. We reported on a couple different things this week that are coming up in the Saucon Valley area. One of them is a newer event. It's called Pipes for Paws, and it's a charity motorcycle ride. This was held last year, and it began in Whitehall last year and ended in Lehighton. This year it's beginning in Whitehall and ending in Hellertown at Dewey Fire Company. The ride raises money for a charity called Logan's Heroes Animal Rescue, which is based in East Greenville, Montgomery County. And Logan's Heroes, the little bit that I know about it, is, is a very worthwhile organization that pairs support dogs, uh, support animals with veterans. Uh, including veterans who may have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. In many cases, a service animal can be a life changer for somebody like that. So great charity and the ride, which will be September 26th, will begin at Mission Barbecue. As I said, then proceed to Hellertown and end with a party at Dewey Fire Company where there will be an Aerosmith tribute band performing some food. I understand it's going to be quite a large event. Mayor Heinzelman, David Heinzelman of Hellertown, who is a Harley aficionado himself, is involved with this event and he updated council on it the, the other night and I believe he said there could be upwards of 800 bikers if the weather cooperates and you know all the stars align. So that would be great because it would raise a lot of money for um, Logan's Heroes. I'm sure uh, they want to do that. And another month out, we of course have the Saucon Valley Spirit Parade, which is scheduled to be held on Sunday, October 24th in Hellertown. The parade will kick off at 2 p.m. The lineup will be from 12.30 to 1 p.m. If you're familiar with the parade, you know it begins and ends at the Saucon Valley School District campus along Panther Way at the end of Walnut Street. The route is the traditional route down Walnut to Maine, Maine to water, water to Rentheimer, Rentheimer to Durham and Durham to Constitution Avenue through Mountain View and back to the campus. So it's a nice circular route. Normally there are people, crowds all along it, except sometimes around the, the pool area along Durham Street, it, it thins out a little bit, but usually along Main Street, Walnut Street, Constitution Avenue, you have tons of people. I know some people that live on Constitution like to have parties during the parade, parade day, and that's that's always a lot of fun. But as has happened in the past, the Hellertown Post Office announced that it will be hosting a candy refill station on parade day. The post office is located at 660 Delaware Avenue on the corner of Water Street near Main Street, and so it's basically at the halfway point for the parade. At that point, floats and individuals who are throwing candy to the, the crowds often will start to run out or run low. So what the post office has done the last couple times the parade's been held uh, in 2017 and 2018, they 
solicit donations of candy, you know, your typical Halloween candy, which you can buy in any store right now. You just take it to the post office and then they will sort of ha have a relay going where they will, you know, help refill the buckets that are holding the candy that the parade participants are throwing. So this is something kind of unique to Hellertown as far as I know, but it seems to work really well. It helps ensure that kids that are on the back half of the route don't get gypped out of the free candy that has become such a big thing, such a big part of Halloween parades. And I think it's, it's, a, great, it's a great way to give back to the community. It's great that the post office does this. They certainly don't have to because it's on a Sunday. And so they're volunteering their time and energy to organize this. So thank you to them. And, and if you have an extra bag or, you know, you're buying it, stocking up because it's on sale, get an extra bag and donate it to the post office. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. As I said, the Hellertown Halloween Parade, which is technically the Saugum Valley Spirit Parade, is going to be held on Sunday, October 24th at 2 p.m. There is no rain date but we will certainly have nice weather for it this year, I'm sure. The parade was canceled in 2019 due to bad weather, and in 2020, it was canceled due to COVID. So this will be the first parade in three years, and the theme is Happy Days Are Here Again. We're going to have a full story about the parade, how to register, what categories prizes will be awarded in in the coming weeks. And we'll also be covering the Coopersburg Halloween Parade, which is a week before Hellertown, so that'll be October 17th. We'll also have information about what to look for this year in Coopersburg. That's always a big parade. The whole Southern Lehigh community comes out for that, and we want you to be informed and, of course, have a good time on Parade Day. We will be publicizing, of course, trick-or-treat dates. Trick-or-treat in Hellertown is... October 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. This year, October 31st is on a Sunday. So um, it will be on a Sunday evening. And of course, we'll publicize the other trick-or-treat dates and times in our coverage area. So keep reading Sock and Source for that. It's gonna be a busy, fun fall. We'll be uh, doing our best to keep you posted on all the fun things you can do safely here in your community. Have a great week. Hello, Panther fans. Coach Reef coming at you on behalf of Salkin Source with a Pottsville scouting report. Salkin Valley with their one and one record will pack the bus and make the hour and change trip to Pottsville to battle the one and one Crimson Tide. Both teams are in a District 11 4A classification. Considering only four Quad A teams qualify for the postseason, this Week 3 game is a de facto Week 3 District 11 4A playoff game. This is Salkin Valley's first game with the new Colonial League Schuylkill League merger to get the bigger schools in each league and the smaller schools in each league playing each other. The reasoning, of course, is to level the playing field between the bigger and smaller schools. In addition to Pottsville, Salkin is scheduled to play Blue Mountain and Lehigh later this year. The Panthers dropped Caddy, Northern Lehigh, and Penarjo, who are smaller schools, while adding those three bigger schools to their schedule. 
The merger was supposed to go into effect last season, but COVID pushed the agreement between the two leagues back. So let's take a look at Pottsville. Even though the score is relatively tight, Pottsville soundly defeated Sealands Grove in their opener 12-0. The Crimson Tide, however, were thumped by a monster Wyoming program last week, 42-14. Pottsville's kind of, they're a mirror image of Salkin in a way. Senior heavy and talented at the skilled positions, but a little young and inexperienced along the offensive and defensive lines. On film, it looks as if the Crimson want to pound the ball, but they do have a dual-threat quarterback with a few sure-handed receivers. Pottsville returns their skilled players from last year's 6-2 program, but lost some of their beef up front. Gone are Adam Stock and David Cook, who are two outstanding offensive and defensive linemen. In their place for this season, the Crimson welcome senior Harvey Forbes and junior Kieran Houston into the trenches. Forbes is a solid 5'11", 215 pounds, while Houston is impressive at 6'2", 240. Looks to me like Houston is uh, one of the first guys in line to their buffets up there. Houston, number 52, will also be on the playing field at defensive tackle for the Crimson. Defensively, Pottsville lost a couple of linebackers to graduation. Pat Yoder and J.R. Reed were Pottsville's top two tacklers last season. No worries for the Crimson, though, as the linebacker stable seems full of talent. Seniors number 27, Jason Fermaint, number 31, Trevante Davis, and number 24, Amari Dunn, are ready to roll for the Tide. Each of them is in the neighborhood of 5'11", 190 pounds, and each of them can run. Sophomore Nick Engler, number three, also gets significant playing time at linebacker for Pottsville. Engler is a sophomore and is the runt of the litter at 5'9", 180. Let's take a look at Pottsville's offense against Saucon Valley's defense. Pottsville operates primarily out of the pistol offense. Quarterbacking the Crimson is number nine, Jazzy Carabello Snowell. Jazzy is listed as a specimen at 6'2", 195. As I said before, he is dual threat. He is 62 of 128 for just over 1,000 yards passing in his career. He has eight touchdown passes and two interceptions total. This year, so far, he has completed nine of 25 passes for 112 yards, which is good for one TD and two interceptions. Jazzy can run and averages about seven yards per carry throughout his high school career. This year, he has carried 15 times for 101 yards and a touchdown. When Pottsville throws, the ball is usually to number eight, Rafe DiCello, or number seven, Jace Adamic. Both are seniors and both are pretty good. DiCello is listed at 5'11", 185, while Adamic is 6'3", 195. DiCello, for his career, has 26 catches and 5 TDs. He averages over 17 yards per catch. Adamic only has 3 career catches, but at 6'3", the Panthers better account for him. Number 8, Max George, is another tall target for the Crimson. He's 6'4", he's another senior, and plays tight end. Like Adamic, he only has a few catches and is used primarily as a blocker. But with his height and long arms, he could be a potential mismatch for the Panther defense. Pottsville looks to have a solid stable of running backs led by a couple of seniors. Number 31, Trevante Davis, is a solid 5'10", 195. He has rushed 26 times for 185 yards so far this season and averages almost 7 yards per carry for his career. Number 24, Amari Dunn also averages 7 yards per carry and is listed at 5'10", 185. They both appear to be rugged and physical runners. This looks to be a pretty good one-two punch for Pottsville. The Panther defense may be able to exploit the inexperience of Pottsville's offensive line. Their O-line averages 231 pounds across the front. 
Left tackle and protecting the quarterback's blind side is senior number 71, Jacob Bagnanski. He's a senior and a returning starter for the Crimson Tide. He's listed at 6'3", 240. Other than Bagnanski, Pottsville is a little green with their inexperience. Perhaps Salkin can take advantage of this. The ability to pressure the quarterback on passing downs and control the gaps on running downs will go a long way helping the Panthers be successful. In only two games, the Panthers have four defenders who are in double digits as far as tackles are concerned. Freshman, number 23, Jared Rohn, has 17 tackles, and junior Ty Fizzenmayer has 15 tackles from their inside linebacker positions. Senior outside linebacker, number 11, Ty Sentence, has 15 tackles, and junior cornerback, number 2, Travis Riefenstahl, has tallied 11 tackles. All Panther defenders will need to be sure tacklers and hold on tight against Pottsville's tough and powerful rushing attack. Defensively, Pottsville has shown a 4-3 defense. They look comfortable playing man-to-man and daring the offense to pass. However, it is a good bet that Pottsville is a little worried about the Panther passing attack. In two games in a scrimmage this season, Pottsville faced all smash-mouth, bully-ball-type teams. With Mahaffey and his receivers, Pottsville's pass defense will be tested. Number 12, Dante Mahaffey is a senior and has completed 59% of his passes. He is 20 of 34 for 289 yards, throwing so far this season. He has two touchdown passes and two interceptions. Mahaffey's go-to guy right now is senior number 11, Ty Sensitz. Sensitz is off to a great start with 10 catches for 149 yards in the first two games. He's on pace for 50 receptions and has a shot to get 1,000 receiving yards this year. Mahaffey also likes junior number three, Alex Magnata, who is an athletic and talented 6'3", who has six catches for 100 yards and a TD. Senior number 17, E.T. Aris, is another receiver to look out for. Mahaffey and Aris hooked up for a TD last week against Salisbury. Dual threat Dante is emerging as the Panthers' leading rusher right now. He has carried 22 times for 181 yards and a couple of touchdowns. For his career as a four-year starter, Mahaffey has carried 298 times for 1,405 yards. He is an athletic and agile 6-foot, 215-pounder. He runs with a little bit of wiggle and a lot of power. Senior number 21, Damian Garcia, is a 1,000-yard rusher for the Panthers from the 2019 season. During that season, he averaged 8 yards per carry. So far this season, Garcia has carried 27 times for 121 yards and is averaging a modest 4.5 yards per carry. If Garcia can go off Friday night put up some solid numbers, it would be seriously beneficial to the Panther cause. Garcia is the guy, but don't be surprised to see the Panthers sharing the workload. Expect to see junior number 34 Ty Fizzenmayer get some carries and also freshman number 23 Jared Roan. Fizzenmayer is a powerful and punishing runner while Roan is a little bit more of a slasher. So here we go Panther fans, a high stakes early season game with a brand new opponent at a new venue is on tap. It is a very winnable game for the Panthers but they are going to have to play the most solid of games all around. The Panthers may not have to be perfect, but there will not be much wiggle room against this Pottsville program. Yards, first downs, and scores will not be given to the Panthers. Likewise, the Panther defense will have to bring its A game to keep the Crimson off the scoreboard. It should be a great night for football in Pottsville, temperatures in the low 60s and just a cool breeze blowing out of the Northwest. So load up the car and make the trip. The Crimson Tide have a proud program and a gorgeous stadium and field. We will see you there. Best of luck, Panthers. The source is with you. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. 
a large part of that is a public service and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sockin Source and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. This week on No Rain Date, I'm thrilled to have a guest with me who is a part of an iconic Bethlehem tradition and an organization that supports that tradition. Marcy Mulligan is the Director of Cultural Education for the Celtic Cultural Alliance, which is the organization behind Celtic Classic in Bethlehem. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I, I grew up with Celtic Classic somewhat, being a Bethlehem native. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when it started, which was back in 1988. And it's grown tremendously since then. But it, at the same time, it has maintained the community feel over those years, which I think is, is really remarkable and, and a great thing. And of course, like all events, Celtic Classic has been challenged in the past year plus by the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll touch on that, but you're back for 2021 and that's super exciting. And so we're going to have you tell us all about that. But first, let's go back in time and talk a little bit about the festival and how it originated. Well, in 1988, there were a bunch of people who really wanted to spread the Celtic culture. It started off with a man named Neville Gardner, and some of his friends, and they really thought about teaching people. At the time, the troubles were going on in Ireland mm -hmm. with the Catholics versus the Protestants, and he wanted to come together to share the education and the culture behind not just Ireland, but Scotland and Wales and the Isle of Man, Cornwall, Galicia, Brittany, and the idea to teach people about everything Celtic. Mm -hmm. And we've been true to that mission ever since. Wonderful. Yeah, it's really a celebration of Celtic heritage mm -hmm. as much as just an opportunity to partake in, you know, traditions. And you have 
sort of like continued with the original offerings, I think, somewhat over the years, which include music, food, dancing, and like a Highland Games. Is that right? Yes, but the Highland Games went from just normal, I'll touch on each of them. The Highland Games went from a Highland Game competition to now we're the U.S. National Highland Games Championship. So non-COVID years, the top 10 athletes around the country are selected based on their scores to compete. And the person who wins, wins is the national champion. Wow. This year, they again, but we're down to eight. We did some, we looked at some opportunities to save money this year. And one was to have eight athletes. But they're professional athletes competing for that title. The so bag- it's almost like the Olympics. Yeah, of it is. Games. That's yeah, so cool. when you see and and some of the people have have won world like they hold the world record. Harrison Bailey, Dr. Harrison Bailey, who's the principal at Liberty High School, he holds I believe the record for the caper toss. Wow! And he had it. He did it at Celtic Classic. Bagpipe competitions are another standard of any Highland Games, and we've had the bagpipe competitions from the beginning. We don't have Highland Dance this year. Scottish Highland Dance, which is another kind of facet of Highland Games competitions. Mm -hmm. But we still have the music that we originally did. We've expanded stages. We still have Irish dancing. We still have the variety of Irish foods. This year we're excited to say Haggis is back. One of the retail merchants is going to be offering Haggis, which is one of the Scottish dishes. And we have a special area at Celtic Classic that's just dedicated to the culture, and that's the Heritage Hollow. And that's expanded tremendously over the past four years, but it's always we've always paid attention to the Scottish clans and societies. So is that the Heritage Hollow, is that sort of where you might go if you're into like genealogy or tracing your family's name or something like that? Well, sometimes we've we always have different speakers and two years ago we did have one to talk about genealogy. The Heritage Hollow is in the colonial industrial quarter where it's over the bridge, where the tannery and the waterworks building are. But we have a gigantic children's craft tent where children can learn, do crafts, and learn about the culture at the same time. Like, they're making a daffodil, which is the national flower of Wales. Hmm. Meanwhile, we have, this year we're very excited to have, 19 organizations representing the Celtic nations. So we have one organization that's coming from New York representing Brittany, France. So if you're Breton or you want to find out more about that culture, we have the North American Wales Foundation coming. We have the Scottish groups and we have Scottish clans, Scottish societies, and we have the Allentown Order of the Hibernians. Hmm. So, and that's a place where you can definitely find your lineage. And cool. if you're curious, sometimes you can even put your name and, and say, like, am I, which Scottish clan do I belong to? Because sometimes it's obvious and sometimes you'd be surprised where they are. And we have speakers going on that, that talk about the heritage throughout the Saturday and Sunday. And in that same area, we have the Irish 69th Volunteer Military Group. And they're going to have tents and reenactments. And they're going to perform on stage and sing some Irish folk songs. So that's an area really to explore your heritage in itself. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's interested in military history, they might be especially interested in that. Oh, and the Irish 69th, they're dynamic. I went to see them before we, we asked them to come. Very knowledgeable, very friendly. They have so many stories to talk about the bravery of those troops that fought. Hmm. I should mention at this point the dates for this year's festival. It is going to be held... September 24th to September 26th. 
that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's normally held the last weekend in September, right? Yes. And the location is the fairgrounds in Bethlehem, which is the area sort of underneath the Hill to Hill Bridge and the surrounding areas. It's nice because it's somewhat compact. Mm -hmm. It's not like Music Fest has become where it's spread out sort of all over the city. You can park and then basically walk the entire area. But you you do, like you said, have things in the Colonial Industrial Quarter. There's also things in the Ice House on Sand Island. Yes, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's performers in the Ice House. I will say now, because we mentioned the Ice House, the Ice House is owned by the city of Bethlehem, so masks are required. Right, that's an important point. The majority of the festival is outside. The majority is outside. So masks will be optional if, if it makes you feel comfortable, you know, certainly, you know, wear one, but there's lots of room to spread out, which is nice. Right. So that's the location. In terms of things that are new and different for 2021, the majority of things are going to be, you know, from the past, but there are a couple new things that I know you wanted to mention. Yes. Always we have four stages with performers. This year we're showcasing at least two new bands from the Lehigh Valley, Fig for a Kiss and Chivalrous Crickets, and we're excited about propo- like showing off mm-hmm. the, the upcoming upcoming groups. We're hoping that they, like other groups, start at Celtic Classic and they're, they become nationally known. So that's that to me is, is fun to watch all of that. We have, I mentioned the Irish 69th. We also have the U.S. Naval Academy Pipe Band. They're going to march in the parade. They're going to be performing the mass bands, and they're also going to have a performance at 1.30 at the Celtic Heritage Hollow. And they're going to be doing some Highland dancing. At the same time, we're very honored that Ewan O'Regan, who is the Deputy Director of Wales for North America, is going to be attending. He's excited to go to a Celtic festival mm-hmm. and just see how we celebrate the culture. He was honestly very surprised that the little town of the, you know, this little town in Pennsylvania could do it. And then I explained that the city size, and we actually do have a large Welsh heritage here. Right. So uh, he's very excited. I think that's fun. We haven't ever had a group from Brittany before, so that's that's neat too. And because of COVID, there's some businesses that aren't able to come back. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever liked shopping at Celtic Classic to get different Celtic ideas or, or Celtic items, this is the year because we have 14 new merchants. Mm. And we also have toffee, which is you know from the UK. And so there's a huge variety of things to do too. And all of them are juried artisans, wow. which makes it fun. And we do have some new food vendors. So, but I'll keep those a secret. You have to come down and check them out. And again, I want to stress it's all free. So the beauty of Celtic Classic is that you can come and you don't have to pay anything. We want you to pay money because that's what, what supports the musicians and everything else. But, you know, just come and check us out because I think that's like Music Fest. We're free. We have so much free music in the Lehigh Valley. We're so fortunate. And Celtic Classic is another free event. Right. And and you don't have to have Celtic heritage either to enjoy no. it. In fact, you might enjoy it even more if you if you're not familiar with a lot of these traditions because you're going to get to experience new things, taste new foods. I mean, I I have a tiny bit of Celtic heritage, but not very much and and I've, you know, enjoyed it immensely over the years. Like I was saying, if, if you're somebody who is maybe a little bit introverted or, you know, Music Fest is just 
like sensory overload because it's so big and you know it has a lot to offer but Kelty Classic is sort of like down a notch on the on the excitement level but it's still very exciting and you have you know you're not going to be bored with all you have going on right there's at least four things I think every hour that we're open wow and you add in it besides the Highland Games like we have the Wayside Farm where they do the sheep herding with dogs We have children's Highland Games that we're hoping, you know, we're waiting and watching to see everything with COVID and making sure we're COVID safe. But we Mm -hmm. even have games that children can play on Sunday afternoon set up. Hmm. So there is something, I think, for everyone. And you mentioned the parade. Is that kick off the the festival? Uh, The Celtic Classics on Friday. The showing of the Tartan Parade is 1130, kicking off from City Hall. We have local dignitaries in the parade and we have seven pipe bands. Wow. Including Mackay, which is local, the U.S. Naval Academy Band, and the pipe bands that are competing in the competition. Plus, we have Liberty High School Grenadier Band, Freedom High School's Patriot Band, and Bangor High School Band. Awesome. Liberty is my alma mater, so I've got to come out and cheer for them. But Johnny's from Freedom, so yeah, there we go. <laughs> cheer for them, too. <laughs> yeah, both have a tremendous tradition of you know Celtic music and... Well, Freedom High School, they have, under the direction of Andy Lynn, Mm -hmm. they have a Celtic group that actually plays on one of the stages at 2 o'clock. He does a great job with his students, and it's a small group of Celtic instruments, and he leads them, and it definitely is a a plus to to both high schools for what they contribute to the community with their musicians. I wanted to touch a little bit more on COVID. Obviously, you know, it was a difficult decision, I'm sure, last year to to cancel the festival. Has it been challenging after sort of having a year off to, to come back to it? Or like you said, there are some vendor changes and other things related to that. It's twofold. Celtic Classic, that's our moneymaker. That's our fundraiser. Throughout the year, we have education classes, but we don't make any money doing those. Those are really the cost of the teacher because we want to keep those classes low. So we did lose our major funding source. On the plus side, in 2020, a law was passed for the Shuttered Venues Grant. Hmm. And we, like Music Fest and many other organizations in the Lehigh Valley, were fortunate enough to qualify and receive funding to boost us to make it this year and hopefully into next year. So funding is definitely, it was definitely a challenge Mm-hmm. out of doubt and to, to work like anybody working in that situation where you're trying to rub nickels together because for us it's not just about Celtic Classic but we're aware of the economic impact right we there's thousands and thousands of dollars that we spent to tents and and the food vendors and the retail merchants they're all kind of dependent on this this we pay the city we for there's so many bills that we have to pay mm-hmm. and but yet it supports the local economy Mm-hmm. So we and really you have want to, to keep it free too at yes. the same time. Yes, and we want to keep it free because that's right. I think part of the character. You know, you could bring down your family with. I had four, I have four children. We bring down our family of four, and we would buy some food, but you didn't have to spend eighty dollars to enter. We could right. spend eighty dollars on getting our kids food, which was so much more of a treat for mm-hmm. for them. So that was one of the challenges. The second challenge was sometimes finding entertainment because obviously with the Canadian border and all the guidelines established that the Canadian bands could not come. So we had to replace some Canadian bands 
Fortunately, a lot of bands stepped up. Some bands who had three performances were happy to jump to four. Mm. And some of them just volunteered to fill spots. So I think we have a, a great lineup of bands. But you'll notice some bands are playing you know, four times, three to four times, versus before it might have been two to three. Hmm. But I think... Everybody's sort of yes. adapting. Yeah, and, and everyone's really willing to work with us. I think everyone understands we need this year to be successful to make sure we can come back in 2022. Right, right. And we, we all want that, certainly, after being a part of Bethlehem for over 30 years. It's certainly a highlight of the year, Celtic Classic in Bethlehem. It's part of the, the fabric of Bethlehem at this point. So definitely hope that all our listeners will attend. A couple other things that, that I know you have going on that I just wanted to touch on that I think are kind of unique. You have a, an Irish soda bread contest for the bakers out there and you can still register for that yes we still have openings i actually even leave two openings for that day which is kind of a gamble but i will add to your to your listeners we don't have anybody in the youth portion so if there are some kids out there that want to try baking soda bread (laughs) there's also prizes for that division and we don't have one single entry oh no so but it's a lot of fun we rotate actually between irish soda bread and shortbread every other year okay because we want to pay homage to both delicious treats we might add in welsh cakes next year we'll see but we have people from all the way from philadelphia to scranton to new jersey from to new york entering which i think is so much fun and each i've never had each of them but some of them they have they all tell a story behind it which is part of the application it doesn't weigh in the voting but some of them have their great grandparents recipes or some of them doctored up their friends recipes but all of them are family favorites so that's fun and one of the judges is the president of the hibernians the other two are are chefs but Hmm. just for the fun of it we have ken who's the president of the hibernians and King Arthur sponsors it, so there's really awesome prizes that you can pick out from their catalog. Mm. King Arthur flower, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that sounds delicious. And we certainly hope that the kids or their parents that are listening maybe consider entering because that would be a lot of fun. Another contest you have is a poetry contest. Yes, one of the missions of Celtic Culture Alliance is to preserve, our mission, sorry, is to preserve and promote the Celtic culture through arts, dance, history, and literature. And so I believe the year I took this job, we thought we'd start this. And originally we had 10 people, and now it has morphed to, we have 35 applications. Mm. And this, the, these poets are brilliant, mm-hmm. and they're from all over the country. Two years ago, we had the second place person was from Oklahoma, and the third place winner was from the UK. So this year, I'm not, I forget what, I think we have someone from Alabama, someone from New York. So you don't have to be local to compete, mm-hmm. but it is neat because you have a whole variety of styles of poems. But definitely, these are some that I eventually want to get posted on our, with their permission on our website. Yeah. And the, the nice thing, too, is that we on Sunday then at 11.30, the winners come and they read their poems out oh, loud. Wow. And so they often joke like they performed at, they read at Celtic Classic. But there's such a camaraderie around these people. And people come just to hear this, like people who mm. love poetry. So it's another unique kind of part of Celtic Classic. And there's prizes for them as well. But you can see that they're not in it for, you know, the leather journal they receive. <laughs> but... Um, 
that's part of just sharing their culture and sharing because a lot of them also have family mm-hmm. or history in it. And then you had just have some people who are just one poem this year. I think is written about their experience at Celtic Classic, which is fun. Like you said, you don't have to be of that culture to enjoy Celtic Classic. I think that you can just enjoy other cultures and sometimes see the link with your own. There's a lot of American folk music. You can hear some of this Appalachian music in the mm-hmm. Celtic music. You know, sometimes you can hear a little bit of bluegrass in Celtic music. So you mm-hmm. can see how it, how it, how it went and transferred from generation to generation and country to country. Right. So, I, I think you can, and sometimes when you explore a culture, then you get more interested in your own. Right. That's really cool. We did touch a little bit on the vendors. I know from being there in the past, you can expect to find sort of like traditional Celtic wares, like kilts are really fun to look at. Yes, we have two different companies that make kilts at two different areas of it. We have, there's a different jewelry stands, there's different, there's a, a new one that has wooden items that are more of Celtic heritage, so mm-hmm. the Celtic knots and the quadas and... Right. And then we have neat things like concrete, and we have some artists with just with paintings, and we have there's toffee and there's I, there's such a huge variety I almost have to go through it we even have there's a woman who makes dog treats hmm. but she's making some more Celtic designs and um, <laughs> so because we do have a stipulation that you should be a percentage Celtic oh okay so it's it's there are juried but there's a whole like I'm I myself I'm trying to figure out how to get time to walk around these stands because I'm interested in seeing these products because they've never been here before yeah yeah, I'll have to check them out, too. Uh, maybe they'll have some Celtic cat toys or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely yeah, the shopping, the food. You mentioned the funding for it. You do rely somewhat on sponsorships, right, and, and donations, and also volunteers. Yes. We're fortunate for the, the companies that we have that sponsor it, such as Jameson. They're a big sponsor of ours, Defenderfer is a sponsor, the IBEW, mm-hmm. the Electric Union, Commonwealth Charter Academy. It's a cyber school within Pennsylvania. They're a sponsor this year. And we're grateful for them because they're sponsoring our t-shirts for our volunteers. Mm. And we do have, we rely on 600 volunteers to fill all wow. of our slots at Celtic Classic. So we still, and we still have openings. We still need people to volunteer, especially in the children's craft tent in the the booth where we have a shuttle that runs and so we need people selling those shuttle passes Mm -hmm. we still have spots in the beverage tents we have supply runners we have a lot of openings for volunteers yet and each of our volunteers gets the t-shirt in addition to they get a for every four hour shift you get a five dollar gift card to spend as you want a celtic classic on food or or, um, a soda or something right Right. So yeah, definitely check out those volunteer opportunities. You mentioned the shuttle parking. Is that for off-site parking? Yes. In the industrial park off of Shanersville Road by like the Wawa in that area. Center Valley Parkway, I think it's called. Yep. Off of Center Valley Parkway. So you can get a a shuttle shuttle in and then you get a pin and a wristband so that you can park off-site. If you want to park on-site, there's obviously off-street parking, which is tough, but there's Three parking garages. Right. Up, you know, it's just the walk up at the end of the day. <laughs> but um, if you're familiar with Music Fest, you're familiar with that walk. Yeah. And if you take your time, it's a, it's a nice walk. There's lots to look at. Yeah. Main downtown. Street's beautiful. So yes. it's, it's yes. not a bad walk at all. 
And Donegal Square is there. Right. Which is right. Neville Gardner's store. And Shop in the Red Stack Pump. Right, right. Well, we certainly hope that you have great weather this year, that that cooperates, which it normally does, and we were we were talking about that. Dry, it's late September, so it's like normally a nice time of year in Pennsylvania. Right, we're hoping 70 degrees and sunny. Yes. We You're haven't, it hasn't rained, I should knock on wood here, but it hasn't rained since, I think, in 10 years. Wow. So we're hoping this is a successful year, for, and not just for us as an organization, but for all the vendors and the retail merchants. And I'm excited for the our, our entertainment, right? You know, to be performing in front of a live crowd and have a live reaction, and to feel that energy of the audience. I'm excited for all that as well. Yes, yes. I mean, you you really have to experience it to feel that energy. It's you know a combination of the music and the food and the smiles. You know, it's Celtic culture. I think is an incredibly warm and friendly culture never been to ireland but i've heard you know that it's an incredibly welcoming place and you get a taste of that i think at celtic classic thank you i think so too and i think because for me because of the pandemic and not having live entertainment last year i still it's it's such a nerdy thing but when i've been seeing a band and you hear like mutual people laughing like strangers laughing Mm -hmm. was something i missed oh yeah you know and now you're with strangers laughing and enjoying something and it's this kind of communal activity mm-hmm. that makes you feel alive and so yeah and i, I think celtic like classic is that kind of environment it's why i enjoy my job yeah yeah it's very interactive as a festival like with the performances people singing along and that's it's very much a core part of it so if you go you know be prepared to be caught up in the in the fun of it of Mm -hmm. it all thank you well i just want to recap the dates it's september 24th to the 26th in downtown bethlehem and for more information the website is celticfest.org i know you can also subscribe to a newsletter there yes which i would encourage our listeners to do it drops down right away when you go to celticfest.org Right. We want to encourage people to stay on the newsletter forever because we have an events throughout the year. Right. That we te- we have classes at Celtic Classic, plus I do outreach events other places, and they're usually in the newsletter. So if you're interested in Irish calligraphy or taking Irish 101, we're doing a Celtic songwriting class. We're doing a storytelling workshop in January. We're doing a class about the Border Revere Clan and the weapons they used. Those are all like 10 to 15 people, but we're doing big events. Like mm-hmm. we're going to read Dylan Thomas's Poetry Out Loud, A Child's Christmas in Wales at December, like a reader's theater. So there's stuff going on all year long and the newsletter and the website point that out as well as our Facebook page at Celtic Classic. If you could like it, then it will show up in your feed. Yes, be sure to like and follow Celtic Classic on Facebook. You also have the parade in March, right? Yes, the... The Parade of Shamrocks. And usually it's the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day. And that's sort of been on hiatus because of COVID. Right. We missed it two years because of COVID. So we'll definitely knock on wood for 2022 for that to happen. Because it's tough when you've two two years in a row. We need stuff to come back and safely. and, And hopefully everybody will keep moving in that direction. Well, thank you so much, Marcy Mulligan, for joining us. We've learned a lot, I think, about Celtic Classic and 
I'm sure many of our listeners have enjoyed it over the years, but if they haven't been in a few years, this is the year to go back. If you've never been, this is the year to try and experience it for the first time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Saucon Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening.